0: Hello. This is the Revelation series. We are in Chapter 19 this week. It's going to be a very quick overview um, of this short chapter. I haven't had tons of time to prepare this week, but I wanted to keep going because we are so nearly there. <laughs> Revelation 19. Hallelujah. Satan's kingdom has fallen. If you can hear a little bit background noise, it's my fan. We don't have air conditioning very few places do in the uk sorry americans my fan is staying on my name's megan and here i talk about the bible i spend some time reading through commentaries and studying passages and then chat through here about what i've learned so you can learn that info on the go doing your cleaning while you work and i really hope this just feels like grabbing a coffee with me and doing a deep dive into scripture together let's get on with today's episode. I feel like, to be honest, you guys don't really need me for this chapter, because if you were just to read through it, you would probably pick up on so much um, just from what we've looked at over the series. A lot of the elements and imagery that comes up, either it's been earlier on in the book of Revelation, or you've looked at it in context of the Old Testament or the cultural context of the time you could probably do this fine without me so we're just gonna read through it Um, I'll make a few observations and that'll be it for today but this is one of my favorite things about Bible study is when you learn something in one passage it appears in another and you can make all these connections and it's just amazing So it's going to be more of a chatty episode today, Um, I'm here with my cup of tea, yes I still have a cup of tea, even though we're in a heatwave and I'm absolutely boiling. It just felt wrong doing this without one. But let's read the chapter in question, chapter 19. We've just seen the fall of Babylon, the fall of Satan's kingdom and last time we saw how the people in satan's kingdom were kind of like lamenting over the fall and now we're getting the opposite we're getting the rejoicing over that fall um, by god's people after this i heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out hallelujah salvation and glory and power belong to our god for his judgments are true and just For he has judged the great prostitute, who corrupted the earth with her immorality, and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up for ever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and the sound of many mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. So here's my observations from that little bit of this chapter. Firstly, we hear of a great multitude and this reminds us of what we've read earlier on in Revelation, as I've already said, about the multitude that is representing all God's people on Earth. They are praising God. They're saying Hallelujah. That means praise God. It's a call to worship from the Psalms. They're worshiping God. Hallelujah. His judgment has come and his judgment is good. And it's ridding the world of evil so it's all God's people on earth but also you have all the elders and the living creatures um falling down worshipping God praising God for this so it's like all of God's family you've got God's kind of human family and then his spiritual family the angels and the elders and the, the spiritual beings that are part of his courts um that are on his side that work for him they're praising him too it's all of God's good creation all, all, all the creatures that follow him and honor him praising him together for his judgment upon evil and then we move in to them declaring that the marriage supper of the lamb is coming now we talked about last week how israel god's people therefore is been represented throughout the bible as god's um, bride the person that god is married to and we talked about how Israel is sometimes represented as committing adultery on god but by worshipping other gods or um other kinds of idolatry and serving other kingdoms and things like this but here these people this representation of um god's people the whole body of christ the whole church or god's people together they are a pure bride clothed in white linen and it tells us that this white linen is the righteous deeds of the saints it is the people that have followed jesus um, who have lived in righteousness by the power of his holy spirit by the cleansing of his blood they are coming and they are being united forever with christ it's such a beautiful picture and one that we get to look forward to as followers of jesus when we will be united with him forever and sin and evil will no longer um, try and tear that relationship apart and the fact that this is a supper is also significant um, biblically eating with God is a recurring motif um, that signifies that closeness with God and that promise um, that God gives of, of looking after his people um, so these are some examples Michael Heiser gives in his book on Revelation he talks about the tree of life Uh, that's not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil That's the the tree of life in genesis in the garden genesis 18 where abraham yahweh and two angels share a meal exodus 16 um manna manna coming from heaven that's god's kind of promise through this um provided food um, of his presence with the israelites in the wilderness exodus 24 verses 9 to 11 moses aaron nadab Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel see the God of Israel and attend a meal with him. And then, of course, Jesus sharing meals with his disciples, the feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000, the Last Supper. Um, obviously, he says this is the most obvious forerunner of the marriage of the Lamb. The post-resurrection meal with Christ in the upper room in Luke 24. And the risen Jesus sharing a meal with his disciples by the seashore in John 21 and then he goes on to say about communion eucharist the lord's table the lord's supper agape feast whatever you call it um that we now do as a church to remember um jesus imitating the last supper eating together is something that is very intimate and communal and Um, that's seen throughout the bible and in these passages it's seen in a way that represents this intimacy and relationship with god and that's being mirrored in this final marriage supper of the lamb this big celebratory feast but the fact that this is at the end of revelation also links to a passage in isaiah that talks about an eschatological feast so let's have a quick look at that isaiah 25 verse 6 to verse 10 for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God, we have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord, we have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation, for the hand of the Lord will rest upon this mountain, and Moab shall be trampled down in his place, as straw is trampled down in a dunghill. This prophecy in Isaiah is prophesying this marriage feast, the presence of God, the renewing of relationship, death being defeated, salvation coming, this, this hope that people have had that they've waited for him and now they are united with him and tears being wiped away from faces which we will hear about in the next couple chapters in the kingdom of God. Then in verse 10 in Revelation 19 we get this quick reminder after John hears this angel speaking um, he says in verse 10, then I fell down at his feet, that's the angel, to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So that is a very clear reminder to us and to all of the church. Don't worship angels. It comes up in Hebrews. It comes up elsewhere. Always a good reminder. We are to worship God. These other spiritual beings they are not gods, um, they either serve God or they serve Satan. Angels serve God um, but we don't worship them. And just a quick word on that final phrase, the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy, that format is how it is most often quoted and quite often people will use that to say basically if you share a testimony you are in sharing that testimony declaring that that same thing will happen to other people so if you're saying that your leg got healed um god healed your leg and you share that then that sort of releases some sort of anointing to heal other people's legs However, that's not necessarily what this means, you see if you read it in other translations, for example I have the NLT here, um, it phrases it slightly differently and it says, let me find it, for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness to Jesus. Now in that sense when you read it that way what it sounds more like is basically whenever there is prophecy Um, The purpose of prophecy is always to witness to Jesus, to always witness to the gospel and who God is, which is slightly different. Um, The reason for that is the Greek, basically. The way Greek is is formatted means you could write it, the sentence, either way round, but I think the meaning of it is about that second way. Um, Prophecy must always testify to Jesus. So, the the testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy it means the same thing but sometimes it's explained in a different way sharing our testimony of what god has done to us isn't some magical formula to then make that happen to other people however sharing our testimony of what god has done for us (laughs) will encourage others um, and witness to his goodness and um that's always a good thing but the point that this verse is making is that prophecy must always testify to jesus's character to jesus's message to his goodness to his gospel um it's not telling us about some magical formula and there's just a a group that would use it that way some people would use it that way and i think although it's really good intention for us to be sharing our testimonies and believing that god still wants to do miracles today and still saves today that's great this verse i would say uh, isn't the best proof text if you're reading it that way Whenever we prophesy, it needs to witness to the wonderful God that Jesus is. That's basically what this angel is saying. Let's move on to verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name that no one knows but himself. king of kings and lord of lords. So because we have read and studied the rest of Revelation up to this point we can identify this person clearly as Jesus um, from the description of similar descriptions we've come across earlier in the book. Jesus is riding a white horse and Craig Keener says that this is connected with royalty. Um, White horses were ridden by kings and especially especially he says um like Parthian kings I think we mentioned the Parthians before way back oh kings of the east we talked about Parthians maybe and I'm way back in one of the churches episodes right at the beginning um but they were a really powerful empire so it's kind of mimicking powerful king riding a white horse um something that's really interesting here I think is about the blood of the wine press um we've talked about this a little bit before But it seems like the blood that Jesus is covered in is the blood of the winepress. So it's almost this image of salvation. Let me read to you a little bit of Morris's commentary on this passage, which talks a bit more about that kind of reading of this. So Morris is talking about the fact that Jesus had a sword in his mouth. Um, His power, his weapon is the gospel. He is the word and his weapon is the word and morris says john speaks of a sharp sword going out of his mouth this points to the power of his word for it is for it is with the word and not with armies that he smites the nations the armies play no part except as a backdrop to the word so the armies here he's saying is representing the power of the word and jesus is here covered in blood and it's the blood that purifies everybody else um the blood that he shed and that he's treading in the winepress. This this, this whole idea, um, I think what it does is it brings together judgment and salvation. And quite often we separate those things, but it's all being lumped together here. Jesus's salvation that he gives us um, is so linked in with God's judgment. It's all to do with righteousness and justice and salvation and and eternal life and defeating of evil all these themes are coming together here at the end of revelation let's read the last little bit verse 17 then i saw an angel standing in the sun and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead come gather for the great supper of god to eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains the flesh of mighty men the flesh of horses and their riders and the flesh of all men both free and slave both small and great and i saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gather to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army and the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who had worshipped its image these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. So that's a classic Revelation passage, if ever you heard one, isn't it? If you just heard that read and someone said, which book's that from? You're probably going to guess Revelation. It's got some lovely imagery in there. But this eating of flesh um, is representing this complete overthrow of evil. It's completely got rid of. All the crumbs are eaten up, (laughs) you may say. And then we have this next bit where the beasts and stuff are still trying to fight Jesus. But I don't think it's going to work. I think it's a little bit late for that now. Let me just read you a bit of Morris on this little chapter just to close up and give some final thoughts on that last bit of this chapter. So this is Morris. The supper is explained. It is to be a feast on the corpses of a great host of earthlings the description emphasizes universality it starts with kings and goes on to officers, to heroes, to horses and riders, and to all men free and slave, small and great, none is excluded the overthrow of evil is total, that's that's the key sentence, and also I should say Craig Keener talks about how this could be a very different supper to that of the marriage supper of the lamb Um, I think that's contested, debated Um, I'm sure there are more reasons for that that I can't remember right now but go and check out Craig Keener's commentary or his little video series on YouTube on this section if if you want to look into that a little bit more there's Old Testament reasons I know that much anyway Morris continues the battle is prepared John sees the forces of evil drawn up in a battle array for their last struggle with the good the beast is at its head with him are earth's kings and their armies their object is to fight against him that is sat on the horse and against his army john says nothing about the battle he proceeds immediately from the drawing up of the armies to the seizing of the beast he may mean that there was no battle though the forces of evil appear mighty they are completely helpless when confronted by the christ and that right there is one of the main messages revelation however powerful evil looks it cannot stand up to Jesus darkness cannot overcome the light and this big battle that's been prepared for Armageddon and here looks like it doesn't even happen it's like it's not even there's not even a fight here Jesus just just takes the beast and the false prophet and they are put into the lake of fire which which you know represents this total destruction Total Destruction of Evil, of Satan's Hold. Um, and we're going to look at that more next week in chapter 20. And yeah, I hope that this kind of brief sweep through Revelation 19 has been helpful to you. It's just a really beautiful chapter looking ahead to the fulfillment of um, our relationship with Jesus. I guess that solidification of it this eternal marriage between him and his people and this overcoming of evil and it's just a really beautiful passage and um, yeah next week we're gonna look more at Satan being completely utterly forever defeated and then we are moving on to the new heavens and the new earth that we have such hope in as Christians yeah so I just pray um, for myself and for those listening, that Lord, you would help us to keep our eyes on that hope, um, to keep looking ahead to the coming kingdom, um, to keep our eyes fixed on you and, and grounded in the truth of who you are, that you are the King and, and you will come and you will defeat evil. And Lord, help us to know how to live as a witness to that, mm. how to prophesy, how to live out our life in a way that testifies. Holy to you. Thank you guys for joining me today. I really appreciate you joining me here on this little corner of the internet. Um, and yeah, if you ever have time to leave a quick review, I honestly really, really appreciate it. And it helps kind of other people to find this podcast equally. Please follow me on social media Instagram, I'm on TikTok now. Um, and there's a Facebook group if Facebook is more your thing please share this with anyone else you think might enjoy it and please do get in touch i have an email on my website you can message me through instagram it's always really lovely to hear from people um because on my end i feel like i'm just talking to a a little microphone in my kitchen so (laughs) it's lovely to hear from you to kind of put names to the people i'm speaking to and to hear about a bit about your testimonies and um and your faith and your experience and yeah, I I really hope today encouraged you, God bless you in your week, and I will see you next time for Revelation chapter 20. so so much for joining me for today's podcast. If you have 5 minutes to leave a review of this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on, that would be really really helpful and it would help more people like us who might enjoy studying the Bible to find the podcast and to join us in our journey. If you'd like to support me in making this podcast financially, you can use the buy me a coffee link that is in the show notes to just donate a little bit towards making these resources you can also follow me over on instagram at bible with megan or one word where i update everything that's going on and have content on there as well so i really look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the bible with megan podcast